I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. And week one is now in the books, and uh, the game that most people definitely didn't see as an upset, and certainly myself did not see coming, was a big upset. The South Sydney Rabbitohs and Wayne Bennett marching straight into week three. The Melbourne Storm trouncing the Manly Seagulls, the one that most people thought would have been an upset, and uh, putting them onto the other side of the draw, which I thought was going to be opposing the Panthers, as did most, but they now move in with the Roosters this week and then the possibility of playing South Sydney and the Panthers come to the other side of the draw now with the Parramatta Eels defeating Newcastle today and being eliminated and the Battle of the West ensuing this week with Penrith and Parramatta um, along with the other side of the draw like we mentioned the Roosters sneaking home against the Titans but box set overall I think for uh, week one of the action the three games Saturday and today were all very, very good. Friday night, just I guess the wind was taken out of the sails early and it wasn't much of a contest. No, it wasn't, but a lot of that was down to Manly. They just they didn't hold enough ball, they didn't show enough discipline. They never really gave themselves a show against Melbourne. So, you know, they, they were their own worst enemy. And, uh, they'll live to fight another day and I think they'll learn a lot out of that performance. And, you know, there's a path there now for Manly to, you know, not stroll into the grand final, but I mean, Melbourne and Penrith are now on the other side of the draw, so it's actually, not that it's worked out in their favour, but, you know, the Braves have probably gone the way a little bit for the weekend, so they've got to look at the positives, they've got to tidy their game up, because if they, if they don't tidy their game up, like the one thing, the Roosters obviously got a lot out, and, you know, they're under man, but the Roosters certainly don't beat themselves, so... It's, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk this weekend. Um, they, they need to be ready for that. And then, you know, they're going to run into South to, you know, as you mentioned, to open it up. That, you know, it was a huge upset. We didn't see it coming. Um, no, I, I, I tip South to win the comp this year, but, you know, the form that they've showed um, throughout the season, you know, didn't lead me to think that they would beat. Uh, I, I probably thought the scoreline actually flattered Penrith a little bit, to be fair. I thought six points probably didn't indicate how not dominant South were, but look, I, I thought panic, uh, Penrith panicked. Uh, I really felt as though they were uncomfortable, and South, you know, they were really, really comfortable with the style that they were playing, you know, what they wanted to do and how they wanted to execute. So I, I actually thought the, the scoreline flattered the Panthers, to be fair. Yeah, certainly, like we said, that was one uh, of all the games that people didn't see really being upset. No Luttrell, uh, you know, 
coming to the back end of the season there, Penrith getting all their players back, starting to warm into things, expecting a big performance, especially after the comeback against South the other week and the blueprint was there, but certainly not the case. But the rundown for tonight before we jump in is reviewing these four finals games uh, and we'll do a season review for the two teams that were eliminated, which were seventh and eighth in the Newcastle Knights and the Gold Coast Titans. And then we'll be back with a second show again this week, either Tuesday or Wednesday night, once we have lineups um, and a little bit of news and judiciary stuff is all developed, and then preview those games and obviously go through some bets and tips, yeah, etc. Yeah, good format. Like, we'll get, <clears throat> get our reviews done nice and early, and that's, that's my only bugbear with the reviews during our normal year is that, you know, sometimes we're reviewing games on a Wednesday that, are, that happened the previous Thursday. So, oh, I like this format. Look, we've just finished the Newcastle Parramatta game we're fresh off the heels of that and um, yeah it just feels fresh in the mind and hopefully people can get in their ears as soon as possible and it's all nice and relevant and, and current and then yeah midweek we'll, we'll roll into some previews I, I think it's a good format to, to roll with for the rest of the year yep 100% with you there and let's jump in and review these four finals games that have just happened in week one of the NRL final series brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Tackle your rising power bills head on this season. With the help of Solar Energy, the team at Penrith Solar are passionate about helping you Sinbin rising electricity bills for good. Find out how they can make you and your family the real winners today. Visit the website www.penrithsolar.com.au or call 1800-2930. Jake and the crew, there is no one better. It's starting to heat up. There's more sunlight coming with daylight savings. It is time to get solar. Um, the first game to kick things off was the Melbourne Storm up against the Manly Seagulls, and we spoke about it in the preview. If you want to shift out of yardage, if you want to play that game, you're going to have the risk-reward, and it bit them on the ass very early in the game, that first shift with a tap-out collision kind of bounced out, and Cherry Evans throws a bad ball on the ground. Three Manly players look at it. Cheese swoops on it, feeds it to Olam, uh, runs away, and straight away there, there was a bit of a shock factor in the Manly side and before they knew it they were down three tries um, they struggled with the cycle Melbourne were really good with the way they turned the football over, they bombed to the corners, they harassed their two wingers, didn't let him get wound up but pinned Tommy into positions where he knew it wasn't advantageous to carry and any time he sort of did try to carry out of yardage or when he got central and tried to take those one out carries you saw three, four Melbourne players just swarming in from everywhere trying to take him out yeah, I think it was Lumi Lumi that got the first try. Cheese fed it to Lumi Lumi. There yeah. were two players, Manly players certainly could have got there. It was it was a real Melbourne play. You know, Smith got on the ball and then just screwed it upfield. And, you know, that, they make their own luck. It's not fancy, it's not flashy, but it's gritty. And it's, you know, they're just constant. And from that point in time, you just, that rattled Manly a little bit. Because the shifts work. Like, if you're good enough to execute those shifts and then, play on the back of the momentum generated like that, that game plan will work but like you said that risk reward when you fall into errors particularly when you're in you know the yardage end of the field and you give Melbourne good ball like it's yeah it's, it's um, a recipe for disaster and Manly found that out particularly early in the game mm. and I think on top of that as well like similar to the South's 10 in a row like you rack up some big scores on some poor teams or lesser sides like it's not you're not playing against a team that's not unfamiliar with, you know, edge defence or working hard from the inside and checking and ticking those yeah, boxes. Can I say this? I, I, I don't, like, when you say racking up a score, like, 
Melbourne have scored, is it the most points ever in Premiership history? Is that right, this year? No, oh, I don't know. I think, I think they broke the record. I think it was the most points ever scored by a team in Premiership history. And I don't, I don't feel as though their attack is... I don't feel like it's the best attack we've ever seen. But oh. I, I think it's just they are relentless and they attack with their defence. Like, you think about even the... Um, like particular, I think it was the lead in the lead up to the third try. Like Munster strips the ball. You go, you go to that one. You go to the Smith try. But that's another one where it's it's generated through what they do with their defence. And it's just they play both sides of the ball really relentlessly, and they've just got that, um, just that urgency. Whenever the ball goes on the ground, or where there's an, where the, wherever there's an opportunity, they pounce on it and. It's, it's yeah, it's unreal to watch, and but teams have, teams have got to realise that you need to be you need to get out of yardage against Melbourne. Like whatever way you got to do it, if it's just four hit ups for a kick, like that's got to be the philosophy. I think you can go the manly style and look to shift, but understand that when it goes wrong, that's essentially going to be your kryptonite. That's going to be the reason why you lose the game. Um, you know, I expect you, we sort of look at the, what the South did against Penrith, and they just completed out of yardage. Like they just kept getting the ball out of their own end. And it was enough to, you know, for Penrith sort of to beat themselves. But I think that's probably the, the style of game that you need to implement against Melbourne as well, because they're just they're so potent and they attack with their defence, particularly when teams bring it out of dangerous areas. Now, I wasn't referring to Melbourne in attack and racking up scores. I was referring to Manly. No, no, no. But, no, I wasn't a shot at you or anything you said. I just... But a lot of people... You know, if you showed someone Melbourne's stats, you'd probably think, oh, they must be a flashy and really potent attacking team. And look, they are. But I certainly don't think they're... I, I, I personally don't think they're as potent as the, you know, the Smith, Slater, Cronk, some of those years where they, they move the ball in yardage and... You know, some of the set plays they used to put on were just unreal, and you know their attack was flashy. Uh, I, I think they're just such a really relentless workman-style team. Uh, but but I, I do think they're beatable for that reason. But you've you've got to have your work boots on. You know, you're not you can't go there with your dancing shoes. You need your work boots. Mm. Yeah, I was just uh, more. Not many teams have really bought that style against Melbourne, apart from to be fair, Parramatta. I think Parramatta. And Penrith in that first game, uh, but but Parramatta have really sort of played that style against Melbourne, where they've just tried to grit it out. And particularly the last time they played Melbourne, you know that style worked. So I was surprised that Hazler didn't take elements of the, the Parramatta style, and then you know that that sort of game plan that they instilled in that game. You know what was it four or five weeks ago now? and sort of try and mould it together. But, yeah, you know, I, I do think Melbourne are beatable. Uh, but, geez, you, you know, you've got to turn up with your with a will to grind it out in yardage and defend really strongly. Mm. Yeah, well, like I said again, I'm, I'm more referring to, like, their persistence to shift edges, try to attack edges. Like, it doesn't just come that easily against these better sides. Like, when you're playing the Tigers, the Bulldogs, etc., someone will jump out of shape or a half will hold off or you can isolate somebody if you're going to take that risk especially against a, a team that's very very good at defending inside out 
we saw it multiple times the other night. They shifted to the edges. They were under pressure. Tom got no time or space. They put the game in the hands of the halves and the nines, and they were constantly pressured. Garrick, any time they tried to generate something down that edge, he ended up over the sideline four or five times. Saab was given no space. Like It's just basically what you just said then. If you want to play against a team like Melbourne, and I kind of felt this the other night, in particular the early part of the game, which cost Manly, you have to cycle. If you don't want to cycle and go set for set and at least feel out that first period of the game, you will pay for it. And they did. That first error set the tone, and then it just went from there. They made errors... They gave opportunities. Yeah, there was the strip. Philosophy that, you know, once you make an error, you need to defend it. You can't, every area you make in yardage can't lead to points against these sides, or they are going to rack up points. Mm. And then the flip side, you've just mentioned it right there. As soon as they were put under pressure, Melbourne were heavy left hand side at Harper and Cherry Evans and actually found something in video that no one else has really picked up on yet. And O line gave Harper a bit of a nightmare. Night last yeah, time. Didn't Harper have a really tough night? Mm, but they did it again. Olam gave him nightmares. There's a disconnect in particular between Cherry Evans and the centre in Harper, but also the back row. They got Olaka R2 and Cherry Evans up past the ball. Um, you know, when Pappenhausen scored there, he cut back inside the shoulder. Olaka R2 was disconnected. Kenny Bromwich, that one where they skipped over, they just hold up the middle very, very nicely, Melbourne, and spoke about it in the preview. They play central to then play off the back of it. And again, like you said, that intent to just run first, attack the middle and generate ruck speed, they just then play off the back of that and they got to the edges and found those points. But I thought once Manly finally did decide to cycle and try to do what Melbourne did, wait for your chances, they finally got that at the back end of the half and they got a couple of penalties. They found that try for Saab when he jumped over Lumi Lumi and then straight around the back of it, uh, they gave possession away again and it was a real death blow. Yeah, I thought they got, they got a dodgy call. I thought that... Uh... Ford pass call from Cherry Evans to Harper was a dodgy one. I thought that could have been a try, but yeah, they scored. I think seven yeah, well, Footy, footy Karma solved it a few plays uh, later. Look, I thought <clears throat> I've got no idea why that why Cherry Evans. There are a few times, particularly um, you know when it was eighteen nil, that Cherry Evans got their set ends like horrendously wrong, where it looked like again the scoreboard started to apply some pressure to Manly. And he, he, you know, go to run the ball on the last tackle, and then they just get a nothing kick in. Where, you know, I thought they had a clear, a clear advantage with Saab on Lumi Lumi with that jump, and then they get a try out of it. You know, what with ten to go in the first half, and they they never went back to it. In good ball, I'd be getting to the post and then and putting the ball up in there and letting Saab go at Lumi Lumi all day on play five. But yeah, you know, I think that's probably. The message for Manly is that you know you can't. You need to maintain that pressure consistently, and they, you know, they managed to do it for short little periods. But as you said, then they just released the pressure. Hmm. Well, that like I said, that halftime try straight away, back to back set. Harry Grant gets happening out the trial, wasn't it? Which was again far too easy. Yeah. Well, they get the drop out. They work the middle. They hold up the middle play wide straight away because they play that central style and Cherry Evans again just disconnected from Olakatu. he's up past the ball Olakatu's tucked in behind and Pappenhausen takes that but um, second half looking at this one it, w- it wasn't a fait complete, but it was certainly very very dangerous early Melbourne shift out of yardage find that edge straight away again to go back at Harper they've got Paseca isolated as the third man they've got a four on three and Munster gives it to O-line 
he goes past Harper again, who does the old backwards roll. Harry and Pat push through, and he crisscrosses the two wingers. And 30-6, to six, I, honestly, I thought it could have been absolutely anything. But, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to put that one. I'm going to put that try down to, obviously, the fence wasn't enough, but a little bit of the criticism there has got to go to Tom Trebojic. How, how Paseca ended up as the three-man there on a slow play the ball, yeah, that, that, that's your fullback. Your fullback needs to organise your defensive line and make sure guys are in position. So, you know, I know Tom gets a lot of plaudits and, you know, he's had an unreal season, but, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if there isn't a conversation between Des and well, we're the defensive coaches at Manly and saying, like, how, how do we... Firstly, Paseca's got to take accountability for that as well. Like, why are you in that position? It's pure laziness. Uh, and, and even if Tom was moving you over there, like, surely you've got to know that your back row's got to be outside you in that position. So... Yeah, it was great identification by Melbourne, but it was really, really poor defensive structure from from Manly and organisation from the back from from Tommy. Mm. Well, on the flip side of that, it was a bit of their own medicine, shifting out of yardage. It was play two, off a shift in, realised they had space. Again, those beautiful long passes out of dummy half. Harry Grant spins it, backs it up uh, when they follow through with Olama Munster and Pappenhausen obviously goes under the post, but... At that point, honestly, thought they could have done anything really score-wise and really kicked on with it. But um, the desperation from that 20-tap restart and kick and Lumi Lumi just doesn't need to lose his legs there. He still had 10 metres to sort that out. And somehow, not only does he he fumble it, he literally pushes it 5, 10 metres away from himself and they get an absolute gift of a try. But um, from that point onwards, it didn't really end up being a factor. The, The game got frustrating Manly started to get frustrated. Um, he had a couple of handbags at 10 paces. There was a few little moments there where they come together and you could see, um, obviously, like I said, that things weren't going their way. And You know, when Tommy's not been able to get involved in the game, there's pressure on the halves, there's pressure on other guys. They got in Oliver Kawatu's head. Munster in particular was plenty chatty with him. Schuster boiled over a little bit. So I think it's, like you said, probably a lot of good things to take away for, especially if you're the younger guys for Manly from that experience. Yeah. Like you played, clearly the best finals performance of the weekend was from the Storm. And you showed glimpses that you're able to execute some elements against them and cause them some, some difficulty. So, yeah, don't think for Daz, you don't have enough time. Like, you got to do video. You've got to be critical in your video for the elements that you know, just unforgivable, like some of these things that we're talking about. But for the most part, I think it's about being positive and about giving solutions. And I'm sure the players themselves know what the solutions are. Mm, and, and, you know, they, they'd be kicking themselves because it wasn't a great performance. But Manly played some fantastic footy this year and they've earned a second chance. So, you know, now they run into the Roosters. They're never going to get a better time to beat the Roosters in a finals game. And, and that had set up you know, what would be a really fascinating preliminary final against the Bunnies. And, you know, they're, they're more than um, in a game with, with South Sydney. I think Manly and South have been quite similar, to be fair, this year. You know, they've shown some real glimpses of, of some good stuff. And, you know, at times they've been, <clears throat> been ordinary. But, um, no, it'd be, that'd be a really, really good semi-final. You know, on the other side of the draw, we get what many thought was going to be the grand final if Penderson beat Parramatta. So, yeah, yeah. there's a lot to look forward to. But, um, no, for Manly, they're just going to get back on the horse Friday and uh, get a win and get themselves into a prelim. 
Yes. And uh, a real cherry on the top, I guess. The game, like we said, sort of broke down a little bit there. Melbourne pushed a little bit sideways when they put Nico on and had the three halves playing, but... Uh, yeah, but I think that also just comes back to just garbage time. Yeah, it was garbage time, I and mean, the real cherry on top for them. It concerned me a little bit if I was Craig Bellamy that, like, that game was probably over after Pappenhausen scored five minutes into the second half, realistically. I think that put it to, what was it, 30 to 6 or something like that. Uh, that, that would concern me a little bit, but they, they had that really good test against... Parramatta and they, they did look tired there for a couple of weeks like you mentioned in the pre- preview last week so I think they probably would have got enough work into them and I guess if there's any concerns around workload etc Bellamere will um, you know get some uh, moles in the legs this week or you know try and make up for it because you've got that week off but yeah that would be the only real negative to come out of the game that there was probably as you said 20 minutes of garbage time footy and yeah, that, yeah, you want to be really trying to refine. Please, this morning, Tom. Yeah, pleasingly, what I was getting to was the the cherry on top was Munster having a nice moment. The forty twenty, they go down. Nelson, who hasn't played a lot of football, crashes into three or four blokes. Olam goes through, and then Pappenhausen. When you get those opportunities in a game like that to have a crack at a field goal, that's one thing. But that was an absolute corker from forty out to finish that off. Yeah, he's the needle, isn't he? So I but, think but um, Nelson's. Um, was a big Nelson, I think, that got the offload. Yeah, to Olam. Olam, yeah. But I think... But again, they just hit those, they were hitting that, um, that edge, sort of hitting those three men and putting their bigger boys, like, targeting um, the edges of Manly. And they did exactly what we said they'd do. They forced it into a play one-two battle. You need to cycle with this, you need to be yeah. disciplined and... Manly couldn't do that early on, um, and then they put it in the hands of. Do that to everyone, mate. No, look, that's that's Melbourne. Yeah, but they put the game, as we said, in the hands of other players because they're a yeah. team. As much as you want to credit Munster and Grant and Papenhaus and all these people, the the stars the other night for Melbourne weren't those guys. The guys that got the job done were Christian Welch with his kick pressure and his scramble from the inside and his cover, and you had Brandon Smith in twenty minutes have a hand in all three of those tries. Kenny Bromwich is distribution on that edge and the try he ended up coming up with. Like, it's a complete team effort on an any different week, depending on the game plan or what you want done. They just find ways to do it. And defensively, um, we saw on the flip side, they basically said to Manly, and they do this to all teams, we're going to limit Tom and take Tom out of the game for the most part, which they did with those corner bombs, making him start out of there, pressuring him out of corners. Anytime he had those one-outs, like we said, they will just all over him. They struggled to get their go forward, and they said Cherry Evans, Foreign, etc. Uh, nine, which ended up being Lawton, getting the start. Like someone else is going to have to beat us, or you're going to have to be more of a whole unit. You can't rely solely on one person to generate all your attack. And um, you know the other thing, I guess, like we said, they'll definitely revisit those things. Is that right edge? And Der- Des is certainly not going to spend all week, like you said, being negative or harping on some things. But I have no doubt, in particular. The number one concern will be clean up the errors and try and tighten up our right edge. Yeah. So. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, like I said, probably the most impressive thing for me was those other players. You, you can talk about Munster and like being, being someone who's followed him. I don't think he's really played a good finals game the last couple of years. That was one of his better games. But Welch was, you know, so unsung. He was outstanding. Kenny was really, really good. Cheese is 20 minutes. Pappy's form slowly coming back um, Olam 
big night again up against Harper and Nelson. Good to see him and Tui get those minutes in. So for Melbourne, I think like we spoke about resting. They did that heavy loading period where we saw them flat for a few weeks. This win now sees them through with Addo Carr confirmed to be back for the game and Brandon Smith was luckily cleared of any facial fracture, so they should be back to full strength, 1-17. to 17. And even heard a couple of the commentators say on the weekend, finally, there's been a lot of people questioning the two middles on the bench, just completely neglecting the fact that they push Harry Grant, obviously, or Brandon Smith to 13, going, oh, it does work. It's like, well, it's worked all year, so I don't know why that's not been... I don't understand how that's not been noticed, but the other luxury they have with the two front rows in Welch and Jesse... You make a mistake of listening to it, my friend. What's that, mate? I said you make the mistake of listening to it. Oh, I'm just saying, like, you're watching the same game. Well, yeah. you know, that's more the point I'm making. But yeah. Welch and Jesse play big minutes, so they don't have to rely heavily on the three-man rotation. Like, that extra changes again the other night. Yeah, they could that's have... why, if Smith was injured, that would be a, a huge blow to Melbourne and the way they play. Because then you don't have that luxury of rolling with both on the field and the extra middle interchanges. That you know, the role that Smith, Smith plays not only in that initial period of the game where he d's up and you know he can bring Green in once that little bit of sting in the tail's gone, but the relief he gives your middles in terms of rotation and the stints that they have to play is incredible it's, it's a huge advantage mm. but they showed the other night they can do it they lost Smith 20 in they played uh, yeah, I understand that and but, that, that's more you know, the, the point like, was 18 nil when Smith went off oh, still it's, it's a luxury yeah, I understand that but you don't you don't want that happening well, how, how dominant that makes Melbourne and, and the benefit that it gives them is, is enormous but they can ask more of those guys if they need to, but they didn't need to. They just rolled their four. They all played basically 40 minutes each. And, yeah. you know, Dale Finucane... Good. Oh, that's good. Dale who is your starter, can play 80 if you need him to. It's like, that's the point. Yeah. They have the option internally that they're not solely relying on a third middle forward. They can carry someone like Nico, which is yeah. a pleasure for them to be able to have someone that can cover so many positions. But, um, yeah, I think for Manly, it's a pretty simple thing. No one was injured. No one got suspended. Um, they've got those few small things to work on be better in yardage prepare to cycle because that's finals football you're not going to have it all your own way and be able to play you know loosey goosey left right and centre and tighten up that right edge and I think um, getting the Roosters this week off an absolute war with a couple of guys under some question marks they'll be looking for a big bounce back yeah no doubt talking about the Roosters up against your Titans 25-24 uh, entertaining but certainly a loose game of football they both completed only in the mid 60s the missed tackles you know Roosters you know not not as bad I guess most of theirs were some scramble there was a few terrible moments but Titans 60 combined misses between tackles and ineffective and 25 errors for the game but I thought it was really entertaining it was full of drama the, the Roosters struggled to sort of get their attack going they played themselves into a few corners there um, when the sin bin happened with Peachy, they couldn't find any points, and that was a big credit to the Titans. We haven't really seen them defend back-to-back sets and absorb pressure, but they did really, really well to do so. Um, but, yeah, they, they, these two sort of handed the game back and forth between each other through their own errors. Yeah, that, that, that about sums the game up. And, you know, the game finished on an error. The team had a chance to win the game and finished on an error. So. Yeah. Look, I think... For the Titans, like it's it's that's a summary of the season. There, there's so much positive there, there's so much potential there, there's so much talent there, but they're they're missing 
that fundamental execution on both sides of the ball. And what I mean by that is you, you cannot have 60 combined miss and ineffective tackles. That's you know, and that's been happening all year. The, the scoreboard has ticked for teams when they've had glass of possession against the Titans all year. So that was my concern coming into the game. You know, I said in, in the preview, I, I don't have an issue with us scoring enough points to win the game. No, no issue at all. The issue was going to be, could we stop the Roosters from scoring enough points, you know? And look, at has our defence improved? Probably slightly. Like last time we played the Roosters, we got beat 31-30. This time we get beat 25-24. But, you know, I always talk about that, that number of 18. Like, I think 18's your number. Like, if you can, if you can get to score 18, you should be able to defend it. And, you know, I think for the Titans, that's got to be, you know, a lesson that they learn out of this because, you know, a lot of people forget, like, we played this game without Brimson. Um, that, you know, um, Dave Fafita's, you know, they've now revealed he's been carrying a rib problem. I expect him to get the kick up the arse in the off-season and, you know, he needs to be an 80-minute footballer. I thought Tino was really poor in this game. He, you know, obviously played okay in patches, but... You know, what did he have? Three or four just crucial fundamental errors. So I think that's the message for them moving forward. The, the Roosters, yeah, they were just a little bit more professional, a little bit more clinical. And they just, the difference in the culture is the, the Roosters is a winning culture and the Titans are still trying to work out that formula on how to win consistently. And we lost a lot of close games this year because of
you know, how uh, potent they are in attack. They, you know, they'll be scoring more than what the Roosters would with a patch upside last night. So, you know, all in all, Raps make finals. It was an entertaining game, but look, even, I don't want to harp on about it, but even think about the Fafita no try. You know, like, they just get that simple execution right. You wipe a try off the board because you can't get a, a simple edge play right. Yeah, and in that same you instance. Know, and then when Tedesco sets a try up for Josh Morris, three players over chase, no one falls back on the inside. It's it's all these really fundamental things. And look, I've got absolutely no doubt in my mind that Justin Holbrook is coaching his ass off up there. This sort of stuff doesn't happen overnight. And the best thing I saw yesterday was how devastated he was after the game. Like, I love that. I love that it cut him up a lot. And no doubt that's going to burn. And, um, yeah, it's just, just really, really good to see passion in the place. And, you know, I want to win. And a, a genuine devastation when you when you get beat because it, it fucking should hurt. And, you know, it hurts fans. And it should hurt the players. And it clearly hurt the coach. So... You know, I, haven't, I haven't seen that out of a, a Titans coach in our existence, so uh, it's all positive moving forward. Yeah, but I, I did think the Roosters were the better team. I thought they were a more professional team. I think the numbers probably outlined that. Yeah, I, and, I, you stu- know, I, I thought they deserved to win the game. I stuffed up one of the points there. I wrote the wrong column. They were actually the team that missed 60 combined tackles, so you guys actually missed 20 and 8, I think. So it was one of your better yeah, nights in that regard. Um, in terms of errors, though, and discipline, like you said, it's more the fundamental thing. And one point that highlighted for me for the Titans was we talk about that shifted out of yardage. They did that effectively against the Roosters to try and get at Kieran and Morris because Morris is obviously playing still a bit busted and Kieran's inexperienced. And they got Kelly and Herbert at those guys, but then Tino drops the ball in the play the ball. So it's like you can execute long passes under pressure and good football, but then you drop the ball in the play the ball, or you drop the ball in the ruck and... Um, yeah, I was doing summer last night. The Titans get all the summer skills wrong. You know, the, the 2v1s, the 3v2s, the play the ball technique, the simple catch pass, stuff that you do in November, December, January. Yeah, and then... It's, it's, they, they need to understand in November, December, January, when they're doing it, that they're doing it not for November, December, January. They're doing it for September. Yeah, and then just defensively, again, why the misses weren't so bad last night. There was a few times on the edge there where numbers weren't even existent, but guys either jump in or hold, and Tedesco was able to create numbers a couple of times from situations where they didn't really exist. And obviously that also comes down, like you said, the, the difference between those teams and that culture and what you build and execution because Tupo was able to finish, Ikevala was able to finish a couple of times, they got the job done. But, um, yeah, I think there's plenty of good things to come out of that game. I, I think the fact, like we said, they, they fought through that early period where they had the sin bin, they found their way back into it regardless of errors. They defended a lot and then right on half time, when Fomor gets that try from the peachy kick, uh, I thought that was a real good confidence boost and yeah. it, it turned out to be so. Like the second half, they didn't drop their head. They went down, you know, 18 6 and certainly could have fell off the bandwagon, but they kept fighting. They got that error where Tino comes in off Tupo and Kieran colliding and you know, they dodge a bullet with the Ikevalu try, similar to them. The ref got it right with uh, both those passes getting caught on the inside. But, um, yeah, they, they just didn't go away, did they? And I, I, like we said, they, there was just those... But I would probably say the Titans had the highest ceiling. Like, when, when the Titans were rolling and playing good, the, the Roosters couldn't handle it. But the, the problem was that the Roosters played with the highest ceiling for a longer period of time. And that's the challenge for the Titans. You can't play 
good for 20, 30 minutes and expect to win. Mm. And the, the biggest heartbreak of all was the try that got them equal was an absolute gift. That error from Ikevali was horrendous. Um, yeah. And from there, they had a couple of chances and they made errors in yardage and gave the ball back. And full yeah. credit to Sam Walker. They sat him cold on the bench for 70 minutes and comes on and kicks that field goal. Like, that's an 18-year-old kid. That, that's a big ask in a finals game. Yeah. And I know, like you said, there's the controversy with a bit of the, bro- the blockers, etc. but... I still just thought in the moment, like if you sat there all night and you've been busted the last few weeks and you, you know your minutes have sort of gone down. I'm not saying his confidence would be hurting, but it's it's pretty big to put the game on an 18 year old and go, all right, we need you to execute this now. And uh, he obviously got the job done. So poor uh, poor Paddy Herbert and Corey. Have a look. I think like there were clearly blockers there. Yeah, I don't know why we have rules for... Yeah, well, regardless... Yeah, well, again, this is the argument we've had with everybody that say we don't want the bunker, and then when something goes wrong, we do want the bunker, or the bunker's involved too much. I've never said I don't want the bunker. In general, this is a general chat that a lot of fans have had in between. I'm not not talking general, I'm talking specifically about the fact that. Same argument with forward passes. People go, we should be able to look at forward passes. Field goals at times often more important than every try that's scored in the game. Like that field goal decided the game. So, yeah, I do have an issue with it. I have an issue with the fact that on the last play, they're clearly offside. The two players that were clearly offside were Kieran and Tupo, and they're the two most impactful players to that play. I have, I have an issue with that. But I, I'm i not going to blame the result on that. I'm not going to crush foul about it. I'm, you know, I do believe the Roosters were the better team. But I have an issue with that we just we're just okay with illegal play in critical stages, and it's almost just like well, that happened, so get on with it. I'm, I'm not trying. Like, to... The referees missed it, so get on with it. I, I don't think. I just don't think it's acceptable. Right? You can't tell me that on that last play that either the the referee, either the touch judges, or even the bunker couldn't see that they were offside like surely someone's watching who gets back on side and if you're not back on side you're not you shouldn't be eligible on that play like the frustrating part of this like you go back to the South Penrith game and they can pick up a fucking downtown that no one saw but yet this one we, we get a clear offside on the deciding play of the game the final play of the game and they, they don't pick it up that's the issue that I've, I've got with it. Yeah, so. we've got we've all got an in- issue with the inconsistency because it exists week to week in all different forms, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, but again, yeah. I just think if it's I do I do believe that if it was the Roosters, there would have been far more made of it because they're a more supportive club. They were the favourites going into this game. I do I do think, particularly the Titans, get a little bit of that up. Well, they're they're the Titans they don't really play well did Holbrook so much they weren't expected to win 
Did Holbrook have a swing in his press conference or not? I didn't see his press no, conference. No, because he's got, he's got class and he realises that, you know, is it really going to make a difference? Well, like you said, it cost him a game or it cost him an opportunity in the game. Privately, he would be having the word for sure, particularly once you have a look at it. Like it I don't think at the end of the game when the siren goes, you, you say to your assistant coach, can we get a replay and see if they're on the side? Look, but I, I was doing that straight away. So, it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's frustrating. It's, it's frustrating. Like I said, I was more frustrated at the end there that, again, I get I get Herbert probably thinking he could have barged his way in, but when Flamore makes that awesome run down the edge there and skittles a couple of blokes and gets on his bike and, you know, gets outside, I think it was Kieran, Morris, uh, Sam Walker was out there. They went there straight away. Well, Sam Walker which, shot up. Like, it was, it's, it was almost a hangable offence from Sam Walker. Oh, yeah, it was great football by the Titans. They got straight there, and for more, the back end of the season, it's been huge. But, um, you know, to get that pass to Semi and then that long shift, like, Herbert, once he got near Tupo, there was a clear daylight, two-on-one, and Thompson... Yeah, but I, I, no, one, no one stopped the Roosters line. What I mean by this technically is that once the ball was played and it went dummy half pass, you know, it just went long pass, long pass, long pass. No one actually went to the line and made the Roosters line stop. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. If the Roosters line stop, it would have been shorter on the end. But the when... Fact that they just went pass, 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 and there was still an overlap shows you how short they were. And the yeah. fact that the two players that actually impacted the player offside, but if the Titans players actually dug in a little bit and then passed mm. and just went through the hands, I think they would have found a little bit easier to find some space there. But I'm making the point that you've just made. Regardless of all of that, he still had a 10-metre corridor to hit the winger, yeah. and he chose to go himself. Um, and again, I, he's a powerful unit, and he clearly backed himself in, but well, my lord. Just, like, I think Fafita was on his outside. I just tried to get the ball today. Uh, I didn't even think that was the right play. I think that when he got to Tupo... it was a more right play than... Herbert running himself. Yeah, but he was three metres behind Herbert, and then you would have had the two on. You wouldn't have had the two on one. It started off as a three on one. When he dropped under, it made Tupo hold up and created the two on one for Thompson. He just didn't pass. Yeah. Thompson would have walked into the corner. Tupo went stationary. So uh, some people had mixed, you know, thoughts on the Thompson thing. I just think that's frustrating. Frustration in the moment. Um, it's probably a good thing if there's no Mad Mondays this year because maybe uh, someone. On the, on the piss those things can be a bit, a bit tense but for the most part for the Titans I don't like it I, I want to see that for my team I want to see it hurt because mm. it should hurt so um, you want to win like a, a lot goes into it yeah um, and when you, when you don't execute and you lose big games it should hurt yes but overall again they were both their own worst enemy they invited each other into the game uh, but we said 67% percent completion rate both sides I thought Peachy uh, again Playing him at six, I would have gone with Sexton. The sin bin and a couple of other moments why he did have, you know, a try assist, etc. I just don't understand that move. A um, couple of missed tackles and penalties again. thought Fogarty was pretty solid. I like the fact that they were willing to shift early and get to their strike centres in Herbert and Kelly. They, they found some love picking on Kieran and picking on Morris and um, their forwards. I thought Fogarty, since coming back from injury, has been outstanding. I think he's developing into a really nice... Seven, he kicks well. You know, for the most part, he makes his tackles. He steers the side around. I, you know, I'm really happy with how he's playing. I wasn't happy with his form earlier in the year, but you know, I thought he finished the season very, very strongly. Hmm. Maybe some of that's got to do with who's partnered with him. Maybe without Ash Taylor there or that, and it's when it's his team. Yeah, like that's, it, that's a fair point. When it's his team, like it was the year before, um, you know, they all follow his lead rather than 
feeling like he's got somebody there who he's sort of sharing the load with or who's trying to, you know, sort of jostle back and forth with. And I thought we saw that, um, you know, with Peachy, who's a much more neutral partner, obviously, to play next to. Um, but there's still, you know, like we said, just those critical moments, the edge defense, those simple errors, but they could execute some of the harder stuff. And then at the end there, just not coming up with that play. That, that's... That, you know, they looked like they were going after the field goal. They had that opportunity. They just needed to execute it, and unfortunately, they didn't. But, yeah, I really thought their forwards were good again. Moiaki had a big game. I know Tino had the few errors, but on, on the flip side of that, I thought he was all effort. He was there. He was involved in the game. Lasone off the bench had a good impact for Moore. Did a great job again, and um, there's lots of positives. But Yeah, I think Camp was all like the job he did at the back. Was... He's been outstanding. But they, they need a nine. We've said this a million times. They need to settle on the halves. And I think we've seen enough from Campbell to now move Brimson back to his natural position, which coming through the grades was six. I know everyone thinks he's a fullback, and he is a very good fullback. But six was what got him through the grades in Queensland, junior reps, etc. when he plays behind a decent forward pack, which I think you've got. He's a really, really good running threat. He plays direct. He's not afraid to engage. And... If that's a way to get him and Campbell into the side with Fogarty during that steering job, um, you know, it, it might delay Sexton, but I don't think Fogarty's also going to play forever. I'm, I'm not saying he's going to suddenly retire in two years, but he's closer Could to 30. Sorry? Could Fogarty play more? And that was the other option like we spoke about a few weeks ago with you, with your nine options, which is a big issue. Rain looks like he's going to be gone. Clark's signed long-term, and I, that's just not an option to play big minutes and... They've got Booth coming from Melbourne, who's mid-20s and only played three or four games. He's not going to be solving that problem. So I look at Fogarty and think the way he defends is pretty solid. If you can manipulate a little bit and you can get Sexton in there and he get that kicking game from dummy half, I, I think that's an option. That yeah, you have. or even if Fogarty becomes your 14, I, I don't know. They've they got some good headaches there. But, um, yeah, for the Roosters in this game, you know, never... Just, just Russo, you're only one injury away from having a good team, like... Sometimes an injury helps you. Like the Brimson injury has actually helped us well, because it's let you see Campbell. Him and he's played well. You know, like sometimes injuries can be can be a good thing. Like you, you never want to lose Brimson. He's you know an unreal player for us. But yeah, but he's played he's well. Made our team stronger. Campbell's played well in every big game so far. So it's yeah, yeah. unveiled that to you. Um, but yeah, for the Roosters in this game, like we said, similar deal. They just can't seem to go a week without a bit of drama. Radley, he's got a bit of a, a shoulder complaint after that tackle. They had a few other guys that looked a bit busted. Jared had a big game, I thought, even despite that bung knee. Teddy was huge again. Um, and the other one, Tokiaha, who they brought in, has an injury again now. So they're certainly limping into this week, which is a bit of a concern, but uh, they found a way to win. Yeah. They're, they're just a fantastic club. You've got to admire them. Yeah. Uh, Another win, like, to win a to win a game with the depletion that they've had, a finals game is you know a huge credit to yeah. the club and the organisation, their coaches and the players. Mm-hmm. South Penrith sixteen ten massive boil over the and again full credit to South Sydney because they've look I've said it all year you need to play for eighty we need to see it and after that game the other week uh, where they had the lead and looked like they were ruthless and relentless and going to go on with it and they didn't. Um, then the Latrell thing and all the noise maybe it's been a good thing because we all know how good Wayne Bennett is and I think you know he's stayed quiet they played games around TAF all week and then Ivan decided to mention about you know protecting Nathan which then gave Wayne an opportunity 
to throw out the line he did, which really threw the cat amongst the pigeons. And South Sydney were more worried about playing the game. And I think Penrith from that and then having more drama in your lead-up, losing Edwards and Laota, uh, just everything sort of turned into a bit of a domino effect. And as the game went further and further on and they got more and more frustrated and looked like they were trying to score off every set, South Sydney played a full 80 minutes finally. They did. It wasn't, it wasn't a style of game that we were probably predicting. They were gritty. They were tough. Like, and this, to me, is every reason why they've, they've cocked up with Adam Reynolds. Like, how, they, how anyone thinks that letting Adam Reynolds go is the right decision just baffles me. But he controlled this game from start to finish. He kicked well, tackled well. You know, I thought, you know, how he, how he played with the ball was outstanding. Like, I've, and I've been critical of him this year because, you know, I think it, there's been games there where he's needed, he's been needed to step up and compose that team when they've been under pressure. And to my, you know, in my humble opinion, I, I don't believe he's done, done that at critical times in games. But by G last night he did. Um, and as you said, I thought Blake Taft had dropped that first bomb, but after that, he, it, it just didn't seem to rattle him. And is he Latrell? No, but no one was expecting him to be Latrell. He just needed to catch, you know, set their defensive line and, you know, do those little things at fullback that, you know, you need to make your team function and operate. He, he did a more than a competent job of that. Yeah, and I've said it before. Like what you said about Penrith, and you know, we watched this game <coughs> together via Zoom, and you know, I, I felt as though Penrith could come and get them, and you know, they had multiple opportunities to come and get them, but they they panicked. The, the scoreboard pressure made them panic, and yeah, this this was sort of my point a couple of weeks ago when we were sort of like, yeah, you know, Melbourne Penrith, Melbourne Penrith, Melbourne Penrith, but it, it only takes eighty minutes. Yeah. And fear to be off and for a side to be up because all, all the um, credits that you've made into the bank during the regular season the, the playing field becomes even once these semi-finals start and Penrith have learned that the hard way here uh, and, it, and I, I think what you said off the top is probably the biggest impact that hasn't been spoken about because we've had the Bennett and Cleary spat is the impact that not having Dylan Edwards has had on the team for the fact that Crichton, unlike Path, couldn't come in. He, he's not fit enough to play fullback. He is not intelligent at the moment enough to play fullback because there were several occasions last night where he was either out of position, particularly defensively, where he's a short side marker a few times, where in goal line D, which is just a big, big no-no, sorry, at short.a defender. And there, there were a few occasions there where South kicked identifying that and actually didn't execute the kick that, you know, could have resulted in more points for for South. But, you know, the things that Dylan Edwards brings that team, and, you know, two years ago I was questioning Dylan Edwards and whether he was the future for Penrith, but he's done more than prove himself to be a real vital member of that team, more for the things that he just does that a lot of people don't notice. And, you know, it's more that movement around the field, his fitness. That's a bit safe. He's going to set the line. Geez, they, they, they missed it last night. And also, he's a cool head. Like, he's, he's composed. Like, you know, I coached him for two years and he's, 
he's fairly quietly spoken. He just goes on about his job. He's by far the fittest player I've ever seen um, in my time coaching, and he's just all effort. And he, you know, he works extremely hard. And God, that missed that last night, uh, particularly at the back end of the the game. Well, even just a few critical moments where Crichton couldn't be there for a pass or pushing around the ruck. It's just a different yeah. motor. Like you, people don't have enough appreciation for what the ones do. You yeah. know, in game. Yeah, and you're right. We're not criticising Crichton. I'm not criticising. No, nah, Crichton was still good. He was effective. He's used to playing at centre and, and wing. It's, yeah. just, it's a different engine. You can't click your fingers and just expect their fullback overnight. Well, like that's muscle memory. That's that's learned through experience. That's fitness and conditioning that's gained by playing that position you, you, you can't get that overnight yeah. Crichton did all he could you know I, I'm not criticising but he's not he's not Dylan Edwards and he, he, he was never going to be Dylan Edwards but the impact that had on the Penrith team I think is significant No, nah, and I think um, you know people said that Brian was quiet I didn't think Brian was quiet I thought that also relate to Edwards Edwards does a much better job because he has that motor where he just chews up the metres. He gets them back earlier and they get their forwards behind the line earlier on play one, two, which is another effect I saw last night. Yeah. Penrith weren't as Can effective. Can like on that? Like, when, when did they know it was, was going to be out? Well, not until late because I think both of them were on game day. They said they had foot complaint and then Leota was... The, di- the difference it is, like, if you know it was going to be out a week or two in advance, you can get someone ready and they can, they can do some study on, okay... Where does Reynolds like to kick, you know, out of yardage? Okay, where does Reynolds like to kick in good ball? Who does he bomb to? What, you know, what what position on the field do they like to kick from? Who's the player he, he likes to have carry the ball on, you know, play for prior to a kick? All that sort of study that goes in from a fullback and a team. And, you know, if you're going to change late in a key position like that, you can't bring that person up to speed with such a short amount of time prior to kickoff, So not only were they disadvantaged by the fact that they lost the player, but they also lost the intel and the intellect and the ability to neutralise to a degree the kicks of Reynolds and Walker. And then on the back of that, like you said, that, that has a significant impact on the ability for Toll to bring the ball out effectively because, like you said, he's, yeah, he's, he gets a lot of nice play the balls and positioning based on where Reynolds, uh, sorry, Edwards catches it and brings it back to him. Edwards is not one of these guys that tries to be something he's not. He doesn't look up and think, I'm going to I'm going to beat somebody, I'm going to barge somebody over. He literally just catches the fucking ball and goes, I'm going to take every meeting you give me. I guarantee you, mate, that he would be doing hours and hours of study around who kicks where, when, how, why. He'd be all over it in terms of his positional play and Crichton just didn't have time to, to be across that. And full credit to Crichton, he almost made 300 metres, only made one error. But like you said, uh, as impactful he, as he was in general, with the yeah, carry... He's, he, he's, a, he's a far stronger runner than Edwards. Yeah, and that's, but you could just say at the back end, like I said, it's all those little things. If you want to look at the raw yeah. numbers, you'd say, oh, well, what the fuck are you talking about? He's at 27... No, that's why I don't like numbers. No, that's what I'm getting well, at. I think For, the numbers... We're explaining this... So they, they tell you lies. We're, ex, we're explaining this... Yeah, but we're explaining this to somebody who, you know, you're not downplaying it for a fan, but the impact, the difference in just saying, well, he was busy and he had all those carries, like, it was the small stuff, like you said, positioning, where you get the football, where you start your sets. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's big stuff because yeah. you, lose the, you lose the game. But I'm just saying, people see numbers and that's all they know. So we're explaining that nuance of, you know, someone like an Edwards who before we've even criticised, but you saw an impact of it last night. And I think the other one, again, like I said, it's not just play one, two. He chews up 15, 20 metres every time, which gets the forwards back earlier, which is usually followed up by Leota and followed up by Fisher-Harris. I thought Fisher-Harris was even a bit one out last night and wasn't as effective without Leota there. And I thought the rest of the pack was disappointing. I think it was one of the worst games by their forward pack. Kick out off the bench was pretty poor vertically, uh, laterally in defence. I thought Martin had one of his worst games. Catewell didn't have a great night. The only forward, I thought, who had a real impact on the game, and as he does every game, is Isaiah Yo. I thought he was the best forward by a mile for Penrith. Um, Pengai was kept quiet, and, you know, I think Staines, it's a hard position when you've been dropped to come back in suddenly. And, um, you know, he had, he had some okay moments in yardage, but he obviously had a bad moment in defence there, which led to one of the tries, and then Crichton tried to come up with that play and put him into space and he dropped that football so they were two pretty critical moments as well but again like when's the last game he played he's basically been iced out of the team for almost two months now so um, yeah. that goes back to again did they know about Edwards like he didn't play he did play sorry the Parramatta game from memory he's one of the only guys that did play oh sorry they played full strength what am I talking about he left that game so surely they would have had some idea but the way they named their 21 they left themselves with limited options because they had Naden and Staines there I thought they would have if you're going to play Staines I would have played him at fullback because that's his natural position um, but otherwise you probably would have gone with Naden but they're obviously looking towards the future Naden's not going to be there they went with Staines so um, if they knew better you, you probably would have considered maybe having Jen, Jennings or Taylor and May but I guess again they're thinking finals um, but on the same argument for that Staines is l- even less experienced than those guys so but bar Taylor but Overall, I thought they were beaten in their own game, and those those outs were critical. But like I said, it was almost a domino effect from the press conference in the week to Wayne's comments to losing those two players. Like anything, it just sort of just had this smell about it as it got closer to the game of an ambush. And then you have South Sydney who were just outstanding, and they did all the things I basically thought they wouldn't do. And I'm happy to be completely wrong. Um, Taff after that one drop, like we said, was outstanding. Caught everything did exactly what I said in terms of when they create those opportunities he's got to get the catch pass right he did Reynolds kicked him to death uh, Walker did a good job the back five I think they're, they're middle South middle like, and that, that's been your sticking point with South for a few seasons now is their middle and their inability to you know get enough metres and get enough roll along to beat these good sides and, and the records prove that because South haven't beaten Melbourne or Penrith in you know, God knows how long. But last night, it's 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 not a coincidence that they finally start rolling down the middle and, and completely dominate Penrith through the middle of the field, and they get a result. Well, Tom Burgess, you, like, you can't avoid you can't avoid the middle of the field, and like not that they've tried to do that in in previous occasions, 
But it, it just seems like Bennett's just built them up to this point now where they've got a really good understanding on what finals footy is. They're, they're finally getting their middle positions right and their rotations right. Like Burgess, where he went for like 200 plus metres, didn't he? Like 200. Off the bench. It was huge. Tolo was good in his stint. Nichols, yeah, like, like all of them were good. They're moving forward. Like if they can maintain that, they, they can win the call. No doubt about it. And defend. Middle can maintain those sort of numbers in every game. Yeah, and defend. The, the issue has been that they haven't been able to do that against the likes of Melbourne and Penrith for you know two or three seasons. Probably for the <clears throat> for the duration of the Bennett tenure, they haven't been able to do that against Melbourne and Penrith. The last one they did, so it's a, it's a bit of an ominous sign for particularly you know Manly and the Roosters who are going to have to come up and try and face that. But you know if. Whoever, whoever comes through the side of the draw with, you know, Para, Penrith and Melbourne, that, that, you know, if South get into the grand final, they're also going to have to, you know, deal with that as well. Well, I think they needed the rest if they were going to have any chance and now they've got it. They did, similar to what Melbourne yeah. did to the Roosters in 2016, I think it was, or 2015, sorry, where they upset them in that 1v4 game. Um, just wasn't expected at all, but they got it done. And again, it was all the things they haven't been doing. They played finals football. They accepted the fact that you can attack how you want to have those plays, but to be able to do those sort of things against the better teams, you have to be willing to get into the grind, cycle, get out of yardage, kick well, and turn the screws. And the most impressive thing to me was their defense. The defensive effort on the line, their defensive scramble, their kick pressure, um, the job they did, like we said, in yardage on Penrith, getting stuck into Toto, getting stuck into Crichton, getting three, four bodies in their line speed. They were just relentless all night and um, you know guys like I, I was a huge rap on Colin Matungi before he got in the grade but I thought he was big the other night Arrow um, why there was some niggling you know some moments there that I don't applaud he, he made an impact on the game and it was one of his more positive games Burgess was huge Mur- best game for South yeah Murray always has his moments and even Cook it wasn't so much effectiveness by running but he made his tackles he had a few offloads where he jumped out and he just did his job, but... Um, you know, I even thought, like, at the back end of the game, like, I know we're talking about finals footy, but there was a sequence there in two minutes where I think Cleary put a kick up for Tarf, and Tarf was in perfect position, took the kick, I think Crichton tackled it in the air. Yeah. Then South got the penalty and rolled down, and Crichton was out of position, and Reynolds kicked the ball, and they put a repeat set. And it was just, it, it almost, it just summed up, you know, and a lot, like I heard a lot of commentary over the weekend about Taft not being a regular fullback. Like, that, that's his position. That was his position coming through. So he's he's playing a lot of fullback and he gets it. And he's, he's got that prime motor there where, you know, he's played it at the, at, you know, in the lower grades. So, and he's got that understanding about, you know, where he should be at certain moments. And his positioning was excellent. He also obviously had the weak to get himself prepared but and then you just look at what Reynolds did in terms of picking out Crichton's positioning and making Penrith pay yeah well, I heard Gus Gus brought up on the thing that you know he's not a fullback I'm like well it's not that he's not a fullback he's played both coming through he hasn't yeah, always had one he's experienced playing it's not yeah. like Crichton where, you know, but he Crichton played really hasn't played a lot of fullback he played all his football with Ilias 
Taff and they had Mamazoulos and Josh Cook, who's the other hooker who just signed with the Bulldogs, who was rated yeah. even higher. But like with the way they played, Ilias was realistically more the seven, and Taff was this loose ball running, you know, seven. Like he played seven in their fleet grand final, but he's played both coming through. He's not not yeah. played there. He's not this, you know, critical thinking in-play kicking mastermind number seven. He's a dangerous running player who, from either the front line or the back line, can get himself involved, like I said, in those two-on-ones, those three-on-twos, catching bombs. Like He's he's played both positions. He's just a really good footballer. Yeah, I did his job, like, unreal. And again, I know we brought it up before, but I think that was more what's led them to this position they're in, I guess, where they did make that decision on Reynolds. I think if Wayne Bennett's still the coach, there's no way Reynolds isn't there. But with Demetrio and the club and the way they're heading and the salary cap, the decisions that had already been made, they've prioritised Taff, Ilias and Mamazoulos moving forward over keeping Reynolds. So I hope for their sake, it's a 10-year picture. So, because for South fans, I'm not, you know, we're not going there now because this year's still going. But I think they're looking and going, we have our next core group here. It's either Reynolds for another couple of seasons, and do we think we can win after this year where we're starting to have some cap pressures, or do we usher through this next generation and hopefully only have 12 to 18 months of pain to build for probably another decade? Like, I, I think that's the gamble they've taken. It, only time's going to tell whether they were right or wrong. But it's not Wayne's team anymore. It's going to be Demetrio's team. I don't know how directly he was involved with it, but I dare say if Wayne Bennett was the coach, Adam Reynolds would still be there. Yeah. So only time will tell whether that was the right decision. But again, full credit has to go to them. They did everything like we said that we didn't think they would do. They were great in all those areas, but it's an 80-minute performance. It was outstanding. They were relentless, and um, all those guys stood up and... You know, let's hope off the rest and get there again. They put a hell of a game on. Like we, we win either way here. We're either going to get Roosters Souths, but more likely it'll probably be Manly Souths. And again, lots of big games in the past decade have been played between all these clubs that are left over. And this is another one where either way it's going to be you know a tense matchup. And it's a great storyline. Not only did they get the upset, but they did it against the team besides Melbourne that everyone's saying, you know, they're a shoe-in to go to the grand final. Now they're on Melbourne's side of the draw. So if you're a South Sydney fan, like you dare to believe now after what you've seen that if they're going to play that style of football and embrace what finals football is, not just the gunslinging shootout and all their attack on the trail and Cody Walker and Johnston scoring tries and getting to that dirty contest and defend well and rely more on your arrows and Kaloma Tungis and kick pressure and efforts on play one too well they can win the competition yeah but it's again can you can you duplicate that two more times off the back of a rest yeah and yeah, Penrith are going to have to do what North Queensland last did in 2015 which is going a long way around and yep. I think they can do it I, I truly believe they can do it but it's certainly going to be a much more difficult task now and in summary for Penrith because we've talked about a lot of things probably around the game, not so much in the game, they were summed up by the fact that they've been so good this year at playing through the middle first and then shifting off the back of when they know they're good to go. Last night was just panic, sideline to sideline. They tried to pass their way out of trouble. I thought Luai in particular was awfully erratic. Um, you know, Nathan's influence on the game in the first half was great. He ran, he kicked well. Second half, they just had no football and they couldn't complete a set or they were coming out of yardage. So... 
you're playing off the back foot and their forward pack was horrendous. Um, that, that was their worst game by far besides Yo. And again, it proves all those points we said. Edwards links into Toto, which leads into set starts, which leads into Layota and Fish, leads into getting to the edges. And um, yeah, they'll certainly be wanting a much bigger game this weekend from a few guys like Martin and Kikiao and Pengai didn't really get much opportunity, but they'll be surely looking to get him involved. And again, unrelated, but if like I'm a club right now and you're hearing the talk about Cowboys or the Dragons offering this big money for Kikau, I just don't understand it. Like if you're a Penrith fan, I know you love the bloke, but surely you're not going to be disappointed if they let him go if he's, you know, asking for eight hundred thousand dollars. He's not worth it. No, it's not be great. And he, he's certainly not delivering to that extent in big games. Like, no. You need to be impacting results. Grand final last year was awful. And then I'm, and I thought last night he was, he was pretty ordinary. Yeah, he, he had some okay moments carry-wise, but like same deal, that line break he made, it was play one. They went 70 metres and he threw it at his ass. Like, yeah. th- that wasn't a shoe in play. Like, yeah. Nathan chips on play three. There was just so many of those plays where you're like, you don't need to score right now. Just yeah. steady the ship and you will get them. And I think that's the most impressive thing like we said for South. So I felt like the whole second half, Penrith were just coming for him. And South just held on, and, and Penrith, you know, just started to get more and more inside their own head the further the half went on. Yeah, I would agree with that, mate. I would so, totally agree with that. Like I said, it's a huge that result. Was a point that I sort of made um, after the last time they played, like it was the first real time the Penrith had scoreboard pressure. You know, when they were down twelve nil or whatever it was, but Penrith managed to arrest that in the first half, and Ivan would have got someone half time and calmed him down. But this was the first real time they had second half scoreboard pressure and you know guys out and you're not executing and you know you're not getting all the calls so yeah that's when you really get tested Mm. and sometimes it's it's good to have a couple of those games during the year which you know for no no fault of their own Penrith and and Melbourne in particular they haven't really had that because they've just dominated the opposition and they've been so good and consistent throughout the year but yeah, it sort of showed up a little bit last night. I think it was it was a contributing factor. It wasn't the contributing factor. Mm. I think, like you said, it was more their lack of patience. Well, I think particularly in those critical moments where he's throwing the ball away on early tackles uh, and just not executing. And yeah, I, I did I did feel as though there was a bit of frantic and a bit of panic there. They proved last year they can win from behind. They did in all the games, but the grand final. But obviously, like we said. Last year, like you, you can't save your worst games for the finals. Yeah, I, don't think that, I don't think that holds weight this year. No, it doesn't because they're a different team. But if anything, they've now had that experience. They've had even more guys play Origin. They should be more prepared for a big game, and I, they looked even more frantic the other night, which was a concern. Yeah, I agree. Like, um, yeah, I think the last thing to sum things up with the two coaches, Ivan's press conference was fucking confusing because he's talking about. Coaches making comments to influence, like he made the original comment from the intel that he got from the referees about Wayne's questions around blockers early in the thing, and you know maybe we shouldn't be able to do it. And I tried to do it. I'm like, you've just fucking answered your own question. You mentioned it about coaches making comment, like you started this whole thing. <laughs> I just found it strange, man. I like just worry about the football. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I. I I'm not really up to date on how it all got started, but I did see on Nine News, maybe on Thursday or Friday, 
was probably Friday, probably went added on prior to the Melbourne Manly game. I saw the comments from Bennett around the blockers and uh, and I thought that was other points that, that Wayne made. I didn't realise that Ivan had said something prior to that. Well, it's apparently come from comments made after it was that. Strange, it was a strange press conference because, yeah, I, like, does Ivan make those comments if they win? No, nah, but Wayne, Wayne's done whatever he Wayne's done what every coach does. It's come from apparently. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. Like I, I, like, I get it. That's how it looks. No, but yeah. I mean, from a few weeks. Yeah, I was the one that kicked it off. No, no, I don't. was the one that kicked it off again last night at the press conference site. Like, like, does Bennett come in and say anything about it after the game? Or I don't know. So. No, my point. Yeah. My point is. He really, only responded. Yeah, what's your point? Yeah, he only responded because Ivan kicked it off during the week. And again, the reason he spoke is because he's done what every coach does. He spoke to the referees a few weeks ago after their game, just like me and you do. Yeah, I know, I know all that. Sent the video. Ivan got feedback, apparently. And then when Ivan's throwing shots during the week about, you know, they need to, you know, look out for hitting Nath, he's just made comment on what he said. And then after the game, he's just... Yeah, you know, Ivan's own words reiterated exactly what he did earlier in the week. He tried to plant yeah, the seed for the referees. Why, why would? Firstly, why would Ivan even kick it off? Well, it shows me that you're not you're not focusing on the things that you need to be focusing on to start with. And then secondly, why like why would Ivan bring it up in the press conference last night? He wouldn't have. He would not have brought that up if they had won the match. But now, all this is getting played out publicly. Like, in the end last night, you've got to suck it up. you got beat. And, you know, if you've got questions, go and ask them behind closed doors. Yeah, well, he's put more pressure on himself and the team yeah, you now. Go back to, you go back to the Holbrook incident. Like, there are, I'm sure there's a few things that Holbrook would have been livid about after that game. But, you know, he didn't get in there and bitch your mind and jump up and down. Like, he'll, he'll obviously do it privately. But it's not going to it's not going to help you there and then in the press conference. Right? I found it strange, and then and then it just opened, bent it up for again another, um, I guess retaliation or you know a back and forth. I just, now, look, there's going to be now even more pressure on Penrith this week because there's going to be all this chat around. Like I'm not sure. I heard some of the commentators after that press conference last night say, "Well, oh, it's you know masterful from Ivan in the you know now he's taking the pressure off his players." I, I disagree. I think now he's put more pressure on. We just keep the spotlights. The spotlights really. They they look as though not only did they get beat, but now they want to complain. Well, they already had enough attention on them because they're you know the no, young. I think there's going to be enough pressure in the fact that you lost the grand final last year. You were red hot to make the grand final this year. A lot of people had it as red hot to win it, and then now you, you're on the you're on the doorstep of you've got to beat Para Melbourne just to get to the grand final, and you're on the doorstep of if, you know if you play how they played last night, Parramatta will go close to beating them. If not, will beat them, and you know it's a huge um, underachievement, and, and if that was to happen. So, yeah, I just think, I don't know why you'd be inviting distraction in a period of time where you need to be focused and just worrying about yourselves. And, you know, any issues that you have externally, I think you should be voicing them 
and getting your answers on them in private and not playing out through the media and inviting more distraction. Uh, and then it just eats your stuff up. He's eating it up forever. Yeah, well, he's the old fox. So for Penrith, even when, he, even when he's wrong, he, can, he he just rides it out and it doesn't affect him. He doesn't so, care. But the other thing is, his comments also don't draw his players in. They always steer away. He'll he'll bring up something completely fucking off topic or not even in the, in the news cycle when they're in a bad period, which has nothing to do with the players. It, they, people start talking about Wayne Bennett. Oh, that's my point. Like Ivan's comments have d- related directly to the game and his team and actions within the game, and then on the back of the loss, it's just brought more. So this week, I guess you know it's Brad Arthur. He's not going to get anything there. But for them right now, just silence is golden. Just get the job done, sort your things out internally, and hopefully get to the Melbourne game where you're really going to earn your premiership this year. Now, if you uh, you know, have to play them in a prelim, your premiership, your premiership. Uh, but moving on from that one, like we said, lots of outstanding players. But again, uh, an all-round team performance, defensively outstanding. Uh, those key players, Reynolds, walk out his moments, etc. Taft did a great job, but yeah, unsung players: Kalamatungi, Burgess. Moments from Arrow, uh, Murray as always, etc. Some huge plays at the back end. So, great win and they deserve the week off. And the last game we've got here is the Knights against Parramatta today. Fairly entertaining game, but just that, that back end of the second half just really, really hurt Newcastle. Um, two critical moments there. You've got Moses who picked on him plenty during the year or in general about you know that running game. He can't find the balance between being a runner, an organiser, a kicker, but today primary first was to run the football and kick well but you know he got between the two big forwards beat Ponga clean under the post and then right at the death there they find another try to go in and sort of steal the lead back after conceding in the, in the first minute there the next set when Paulo busts through and Penasini um, what a play he's been so far flick pass draws in Ponga and uh, you know that, that sort of period hurt and then the second half it just felt like Newcastle had their moments, but just, just yardage-wise, they were camped down in their own end. They couldn't seem to get out of there. Parramatta couldn't seem to take their opportunities and then late into the game, um, you know, Newcastle sort of surged back into it and then it was a couple of critical moments, including that penalty try that just put it to bed. Yeah, I think you're right. Newcastle seemed to always just be chasing their tail, didn't they? Like, apart from the start, where... Gutherson kicks it out of the fall and they go and they score straight away. I, I probably felt like Newcastle probably deserved to be leading at, at half-time. And, you know, that little period before half-time was just crucial. You know, the, the Moses try was, was just soft. Like, I don't want to be uber-critical, but for it to walk through like that is... You know, it's unacceptable. And then from the kickoff, when you're looking for a reset, you know, Parramatta stroll down and score another one. And, you know, you go from um, from leading by uh, leading by six to being down by six at halftime. It was just it was a huge momentum shift in the game. And, again, look, I, I thought Parramatta did look comfortable when they were playing from behind. But, you know, once they sort of got ahead, particularly, you know, ahead by six there, they... They look pretty comfortable for that second half, you know, in, in my opinion. But um, oh, I, don't, I don't know what to make of it. I think Newcastle played, you know, quite well without being really been able to put Parramatta to the sword. And, you know, I was 
I was pretty impressed with how Parramatta responded and, you know, kept their nerve. Uh, yeah, it was an entertaining game of footy. Went right down to the wire. What you make of the penalty try, I probably thought... I didn't think it well, was... I thought Cuthers had dropped it to start with. Like, I thought the ball hit the ground. Yeah. Like, they've, called that, they've called that a drop kick. Uh, you know, ridiculous. But um, I didn't really have a problem with the penalty try. I did. I thought it was a sin bin. I know Tuala gets him in the legs, but Pemasini still dropped it. I know you could say, like, he changed his body direction or where he was going, and they said Ponga overran the ball, but, like, I, from the moment yeah, of... Ponga, Ponga clearly overran the ball. Ponga wasn't getting there. I just kind of yeah, thought... Tuala impacted him. Did Pemasini have a crack at the ball? Yeah, but was it a fair crack at the ball? No. Nah. Nah, I think... So I'm, I'm, I'm happy in that situation. Like, well, what, why did... Well, why did Tuala try and impact Penasini? Because he knew it was going to score. So, you know, I don't think we should take the result um, as much into it as what we should, the intent of the infringing player. Um, you know, I'm okay with it either way. I think it's one of those ones that, you know, people are going to have a view on either way. My view is that I'm comfortable with it. I was less comfortable with how quickly they cleared the guts and kick. Yeah, I, the, I didn't think that was his clear cut. Yeah, they, they sort of took one look at it and that was it. They rolled on. So oh. uh, it was a good result. Because, you know, I was watching with my wife. I was just like, if he scores there, like a fair fair trial, like uh, Newcastle don't infringe him, like there's pressure on the kick. He misses it, still a six point game, but. With the penalty try, it means he kicks from in front and essentially into the game. Yeah. I think uh, for Newcastle, it sort of summed up their year in a lot of ways. Yeah, it did, mate. For the Eels, good result considering. Um, you know, the back end of the year, that that death run, found a couple of results there. They had the winning over Melbourne. They had a good showing last week with some of their younger guys in. And today, you know, not all smooth sailing and they had their moments still defensively like Ponga gave an absolute bath on that left-hand edge every time he got his hand on the football and ran and especially that last one he threw to Tuala that was a corker he squared up they were four on four like Ferguson's probably a step or two in so he doesn't land on the man or the pass but the, that was a laser that just hit him zinged across the line to get into the corner um, you know the, like there's some small concerns there just with edge defence and then Heimel Hunt's try was pretty poor when you've got four or five guys in a space and a guy can cut back and field and score that easily but um, all in all I think for Parramatta like I said it's just good to see their halves run the football like Moses huge impact on the game Brown and him linking together setting up those two second half tries on those right side shifts where they got him to bite in and Ferguson found two opportunities during the game um, Campbell Gillard's return he was really impactful he whacked a few blokes he was really aggressive you know, Paulo on the back of that, his game and his offloads. Murata was good again, but he's unfortunately um, been put on report. I thought those few guys, but Parley off the bench, like almost 200 metres in his stints, he was he's just tireless when he comes onto the field. And, um, you know, full credit to Ray Stone. He's not a noted nine. He's undersized lock who started off at the Tigers, come to Parramatta, got a point to prove. My God, he hits like a Mack truck. Like, he did his job. You know, he wasn't there to create or do a whole lot more but his service was better than what I expected and he made 50 tackles and I tell you what some of them he's just he's a bloke I wouldn't be running at I wouldn't want to find him 
True. Chopping blokes in half left, right, centre. But um, yeah, and again, their back five was big. Everyone 150 metres plus. Um, Fergo, after being dropped, has been better. Panasini showing why he was picked year young for New South Wales 18s and schoolboys and all that stuff. Like, technically, under the rules, he's still SG ball eligible this season, just gone. So he's essentially gone from SG ball to the COVID break, not letting him play any football to now playing NRL. Yeah, unreal. And, uh, he's a he's a talent, that's for sure. Well, I thought uh, what we highlighted in the preview was that um, you know losing Mahoney and Lussick and then having Stone come in, like God, his defence was good and his service. You know, it was it was uh, you know it was it was competent. Like he. He can do a lot wrong. I, I didn't think. I, um, he certainly did a far better job than what I thought he was capable of. So, yeah, it's, it's a good sign for for power. Yeah, and for Newcastle, I think similar deal again. Just attack wise, if it wasn't Ponga, it wasn't anybody. You know, they've still got some stuff to work with for sure. Um, considering you've got Ponga, Pierce, Braley, Clifford, that that their pack. You know, Safidi was. Good on return, but everyone yeah, else. Have been good. Like Pierce and Clifford have been good. Mm. The, the critical bloody play in the game, like they score and Pierce drops it off the kick, off the kick off. Like it's just that's what I'm saying. Like any time they sort of got their nose or got into the game, they just give it straight back. Well, I tell you what, I have no idea how Frizzell passed his HIA. Um, no, he, he got up looking pretty groggy, didn't he? But he caught two or three more. Wonga Blake pumped him and he got one of them. There was a slow-mo where Regan Campbell Gillard hit him and just it looked like he just yelled, fuck, like it's not my day. And then they took him yeah, off. Yeah, did you see um, they put Wonga Blake on the port for that hit on Frizzell? Uh, the only replay... For a shoulder charge. Oh, I, didn't think it was, I didn't see a shoulder charge, but the replay I saw, it looked like there was a little bit of shoulder to the head. But I hope he's having an ice bath because he's going to need one. Uh, okay, look, if it's shoulder to the head, I, I guess that's okay. I, I, I didn't think it was overly intentional. Well, the referee said shoulder charge. Oh, I didn't hear. I had the volume down, but I thought it looked like he just got him with a little bit of shoulder. Um, it was a good shot, but, you know, he was fairly upright, so maybe he chinned him again. But, yeah, how he got back on the field, I have no idea. And his replacement, Brody Jones, he ended up getting the HIA and not coming back. Um, but, yeah, I think similar deal for them. That their, their strength is in their forward pack. Whenever they rolled up their sleeves and tried to sort of play that game and work off that and let Ponga play freely when he was sweeping down short sides and playing at first receiver. He looked dangerous, but they just don't do it often enough. They don't do it for long enough periods. Um, again, defensively, those forwards getting pulled apart and getting stripped on the edge a few times. Twyla jumped in once or twice and they passed around him and got him to bite. There's, there's a little bit there for Too much structure. Yeah, they need to definitely unwind things a little bit, but... Um, yeah, my, again, I, I didn't really think anyone was overwhelmingly a standout. Like I said, Bar Ponga. Ponga obviously had those moments that we spoke of, and those your, your typical guys, Barnett, etc., and that working hard. And yeah, I, I guess for them, their season, given the injuries and the effect they've had, to end up in the eight is a good result. But it's the same result as last year. They haven't moved anywhere. They've made the finals, got beat week one, and I, I don't feel like they're any further down the track. And I guess now for Parramatta, like we said, uh, they move on. They had a rest. They had a tough day today, but they got some minutes into a few guys. Like, big call leaving out Madison, um, you know, and 
clearly he felt that was the right decision. He didn't really use Makatoa or Cartwright a whole lot. He had heavy minutes for his middles. Paulo played 70. Regan played 40 on return. Um, he rolled on Cartwright only for 18 as well. Smith only played like 20 minutes. I think Papa Lee was the only one off the bench that played big minutes. He sort of rotated with his own starting pack. So I'll be interested to see what he does next week against Penrith. I think he's going to need more from his bench than realistically just one middle playing big minutes. He might have to reintroduce um, Madison to the mix, even if it is off the bench. But yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised he has to now. They've got a bit of a nervous wait. Um, two charges on, oh, sorry, two reports on Nia Corre and Paulo with priors. Like Paulo's one, I think, was just one of those things, again, you can't avoid. He got, man got hit from a different direction and went into Paulo's shoulder. Murata's, you know, not the smartest player and he's got prize, so I don't know how it's going to play out, but they'll be sweating a little bit on both those. You never know what's going to happen with the judiciary. It's an absolute roll of the dice. Yeah, I agree with that. And a bit like Sammy Verrills probably didn't mention earlier, he's obviously been charged, so that's another one for the Roosters that they've got to worry about this week because um, I think he needs to be completely exonerated, which I don't think is possible um, to avoid a charge. Yeah, nor should he be, based, so, on, based on the rules, based on the interpretations over the last few weeks. Like, it wasn't too dissimilar contact area to what Latrell um, yeah, there's, had. There's a big difference. Like, obviously, difference in impact and intent. The point of contact's almost identical. Like, he's planted, ready to make a, you know, a tackle. He didn't come flying across full speed and... <laughs> try and cause a car crash so I think there's still a fair yeah, okay. difference so, uh, so are, we, are we taking into account the point of impact or are we taking into account the movement well, you know last I checked you don't, you don't take into account the movement I'm taking into account intent and technique that was a tackle where he probably doesn't dip low enough and he got him in the face that's, that's not what they're charging with they've charged him with careless where the point of contact's been made hmm. and they said it was careless not reckless I didn't think it was reckless no neither did but he got a charge, deservedly so. But yeah, he's not yeah. going to get—he's not going to get exonerated, that's for sure. Um, all the yeah, other charges. Do I, think, do I think it was an accident? Yeah, well, yeah. I, of course, I think it's an accident. But... Mm. All the other charges out of the weekend, I think, were clear. I think uh, the Penrith boys for those crushes, and rightfully so. I, I thought there was absolutely nothing in the Martin yeah, one. Ridiculous. The Yo one—he's an absolute clean skin. It was one of those ones again in the motion of the tackle. I didn't think there was anything in it. Um, kick out got a fine yeah, Schuster he got a fine for his tackle um, and I think kick out got a fine as well so there was nothing else out of the weekend so Parramatta's I think the only one with a bit of a weight I, we don't know I don't think there's been a release yet to see if those guys were charged or what grading they got but um, Brad Arthur would obviously be wanting in particular Paulo there and Murata's been a big part of their team they might end up putting Madison back in and him back to the bench who knows for this week so strengthen that rotation against the Penrith team and battle of the West I think the harder thing here for Penrith is it's one thing to move to the other side of the draw and potentially have to go play Melbourne but when you play a rivalry game like this you know it's going to be physical yeah big time man so, big time big game for them but um that wraps up the reviews of those games so we'll jump in now to the season review of the Titans and the Newcastle Knights brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with any bookie, do it with the true blue bookie, bluebet.com.au. Download the app today. And uh, the market they offer there for Papenhausen and Turbo to score any time at $2. Cha-ching. Hope everyone got on that one. I certainly did. 
And uh, unfortunately for the charity bet, no winner. Kick out. Didn't really get many opportunities. He burst through that one long distance, but close to the line, he didn't really get a crack. And I think the other one, I went Angus Crichton because it was 250s we had. Similar deal. Um, probably not a whole lot of opportunity. But... Hmm. Um, oh, mate, it's been a long weekend. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Apologies for that one. Uh, but Titans, we'll go with them first. Eighth position was pretty much just what we said before. It's It's been a yo-yo of a season. Uh, they built those teams that are under them. They sort of were hot and cold with the teams that are sort of around their area, your Newcastles, your Cronullas, etc. They had mixed results against those teams. But any time they came up against a top-tier side... Uh, they were blown off the park but you know it's it's that gap that you need to make up there was some progress but there's also still a lot to work on but we, we saw it all year they have a couple of weeks there where you beat you know Cowboys and Brisbane back to back and then they lost to Canberra then they lead South by 20 points and concede 30 straight they lead Brisbane by 20 or whatever it was and they blow that lead they play Manly and they have a lead and get beat by 50 and then you know, smoke a couple yeah, of... Yeah, we summed this up. Like, the, the game yesterday summed it up. It's fundamental skill. It's summer skill. It's discipline. It's defence. For consistent, long periods of time. They just haven't been able to do it. To finish in the finals was great from a results perspective, but in relation to their performances, they've been inconsistent. They're, you know, inconsistent week to week, inconsistent within games. Hmm. And... and you know, they have to improve next year. That, you know, again, from a results perspective, was an improvement on last year. Yes. From a performance perspective, like the way they played yesterday, you know, was was a good account of themselves in a finals game. Um, but overall, I, I think they can play better. And you know, Hulk will pretty much sum that up. You know, like they still got a, they've got a lot of learning to do. They. There were elements of what they did yesterday that he was disappointed in because he thought they'd learnt their lessons throughout the season. Well, now, now it's, you need to learn those lessons over the summer. Make sure once you get round one, you've got that basis and foundation and you've got your fundamentals down pat. And you, and you learn and you, you, you refine your craft during the year. So, yeah, big year for the club next year. It'll be a big year for Holbrook. You know, big year for Fafita, so it's yeah. I'd be expecting to not finish eighth. That's that's for sure. They'll, they'll want to finish up on. Mm. Well, their best this year, I think. You know, pretty easy to sum up. Tino was very, very good. Moiaki, outstanding, and scary to think that he's still only twenty-one years old. Both obviously played for Queensland. Brimson, when he was on the field, was good, but that's probably the big thing. Just health the last few years, he can't stay on the field. So they definitely need him to stay healthy given their track record with having Taylor being that big signing prior to him. And he obviously missed a lot of football as well as his performances. But, you know, they found the best form of Fomor. They took him back from Newcastle. He was a former 20s player of the year. He was an absolute weapon. And he had a very, very bad ACL. It wasn't just your typical. It had other parts involved with it. Long rehab. He's now second year sort of removed from that. You can see that confidence coming back. And at the end of the year, I'm looking at him thinking if they can get him humming and get Fafita playing on the other edge, you've probably got two of the most damaging back rows in the competition. Um, Sexton showed some good signs. Campbell at the back end gives you an option with your spine moving forward if they want to put Brimson to the halves, him there. Fogarty and Sexton uh, with Brimson potentially. And 
your centres were pretty good all year. Herbert, I think, uh, continues to get better. And Kelly, why he's got some stuff to work on with his defence, which has been a consistent theme. Um, Attacking-wise, you, you know, you've got plenty. So I think for them, seven and nine are, are the questions. Ash Taylor's got to be gone. I have no doubt about that. Uh, but what what do, we, what do they do? Like, I think Sullivan's given him plenty of food for thought to stay at one. Brimson, if he moves to six, so then it's between Sexton and Fogarty, and then nine's critical. Like, Clark can't play starting nine in the NRL. He's, he's a bench nine at best, and Booth from Melbourne is a mid-20-year-old who's barely played 50, 60 minutes combined in NRL football in a handful of games. Like, it's good they're bringing back a local and he'll contribute, but he's not going to be an 80-minute hooker and solve that problem. So I don't know whether they can look at Fogarty making it. A little up between now and February. Yeah. They'll be moved. You know, whether they can pick one up or not is a different story. But, yeah, in relation to the, you know, Campbell, Brimson, Sexton, Fogarty issue, that's, you saw that over the off-season, but it's a good headache to have. Mm. uh, But if they're working with, you know, Ray and Clark again or Booth and Clark again next year at nine, it's not a huge improvement, if any. Yeah, they've got some contracts to still clean up. Tanner Boyd's off contract. Uh, Jonas Pearson, I think, will be let go. Mitch Mitch Rain, I think, will be let go. Ash Taylor, I'm assuming, as well. Darius Farmer's been in their system for a long time, still hasn't debuted. There'll come a point where they move on. I think that's coming. Um, Peachy, he's been, I think they said they made him an offer, but it was a low one. I think Parramatta's interested. I, I was kind of surprised the Bulldogs weren't sniffing around because Gus generally likes to go after a few and he'd probably be available for cheap that he's had a relationship with. But uh, Sam McIntyre, he'd, he'd be cheap to keep. There might be one or two there. Um, moving on otherwise, Whitbread and Stone have already moved to the Super League. Anthony Don's retiring. They're bringing in Booth, Leus coming from the Roosters and Paul Turner coming from the Warriors, which is another player into that halves mix there to play for a spine spot. And also late, interesting signing. Uh, I think it's Shea... Shay Fuller, he played all the Queensland Cup and junior football coming through with Jaden Campbell. Um, he's a young Indigenous half. He's a bit of a you know a live wire like Jaden. They've got a natural connection, a relationship. He's been brought on for the the preseason. Bit of a wild card, depending on how he goes. There might be someone uh, he gets a look at next year. So I'll keep my eyes on him. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of good things going on. The biggest point to make here is probably the roster direction is the best it's been for a long time. So. Moiaki now locked in until 24, Brimson until 26, Jaden locked in until 24 for more, Sexton all till 24, and then you've got Thompson, Herbert, Marju, Fogarty, Clark, Kelly, etc. until 23, so another two seasons. So, you know, they've sort of flipped that roster around in a short period of time. They've only got a few of those contracts left, like Wallace played some good football near the back end. He's off next year. You know, Tino is off with a player option technically I'm sure they'll move to sort something out to make sure he's not on the market come November 1 with that player option um, and then the schoolboys got named the other week the merit squad I know it wasn't exactly you know the normal procedure but a real positive for them is they've put work the last few years through Northern Rivers and their pathways and developing players and they've got three kids from their pathway named in that team which is no easy feat and one of them is a half Tommy Weaver another back rower and a prop in Ryan Foran and Jack Cullen so not only are they getting better results on the field and they've had some good recruits and they've extended the right players I think this time they've also got some guys they're pushing through yeah, yeah. yeah. there's some positives so, exciting times 
There's one contract on his... improvements on the field, though. I want to see him more consistent against the better teams. Mm. We've got our asses kicked by, you know, Melbourne, South, Manly. So. Yeah. Well, I reckon uh, the only one I didn't like, Proctor took the option. Like, I, I like Proctor, but I'm at the point with Fomor and a couple of these other guys where I, I just wouldn't start Kev. I think he's... His role's got to change. If Peachy moves on and that 13 role sort of open, I'd probably move him there just to do some work. He's not impactful on an edge anymore. I, I want Fafita. I want four more. Um, and the only contract, I think, besides Wallace's that's left over, they signed SESI on decent money before the year and he, he's barely played at all. So that's a question mark. Someone I'm sure will hear about or see something happen there. Um, but they're in a good spot. So let's hopefully see some more green shoots after a big off-season. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Newcastle Knights, 31 plays used, 7th, 12-12 and 12 record, attack 15th, second worst in the competition. Um, defensively, I had I've miswritten what I had here. I think they were about 7th defensively, so much better in that regard, which made up for it. But um, similar deal with the Titans, very, very patchy. Um, the biggest thing you can say for them, it's probably an achievement, again, to steady the way they did because they were well and truly looking like they're out of the mix. They had long-term injuries, like Pierce goes down early. Ponga missed a huge chunk of the season. Clifford wasn't part of the mix. Frizzell had surgery and a couple of injuries. Origin and then Safidi was affected from that. Like, they just, you know, best. They paid best huge money, and he's so injury-prone. He missed another long chunk of football. When they had everyone on the field, they won games. When Clifford and Pierce got some connection and Ponga was back, when Pierce and Ponga played, they win football games. But just attack-wise, and we said it like it just beaten a dead horse this run in it just needs to be the shackles need to drop off a little bit it's well over structured they rely way too much on Ponga off those shapes and everything good comes from just their go forward and working off the back of the Safidis and Barnett and Frizzell and quick play the balls and just getting him on the ball to decide if he wants to sweep a short side or isolate a big man or you know just generate things like he did today all the stuff he did today came off good play the balls and loose football so I think between him Braley, Pierce, you know, Clifford, big preseason, just working on that spine, and then you need health. Like, that's something you cannot control, but they need those guys healthy for an extended period of time to put themselves in a better position. And I've no doubt the last two years they've been heavily affected. If they were healthy the whole way through, they probably would have been closer to the four. I don't think they would have gotten the four, but they would have been in a better position than what they are. And uh, I think the other thing is just taking another step, you know, they've got. No one coming besides Clune, who's going to be a depth option. They've extended a lot of guys. Again, Braley, the Safidis, uh, you know, Highmore, Man, Pierce has got one more year, and there's a lot of talk around him, which I don't think is a good thing for Newcastle, potentially going elsewhere. But Momosia only just got to play off the back of an injury. You know, it's been two years. Sami Solo, I heard about a couple of years ago, barely played, had a couple of injuries, needs to get on the field. They need more out of that sort of back end of their bench. Like, don't find enough out of that. And then they're outside backs. They've had so many different outside back players. Like, they found a bit of stability with Tawala and Heimel on the wings, but Edric was injured for the whole year. Stafford Toa was a junior gun coming through, has been in and out. Man playing at centre, defensively questionable. Shibasaki played some games. Dom Young played some games. Like, they need to really sort out what their back five looks like, how they defend and be better in yardage and with the errors. And then that forward pack, the starting forward pack looks good. Watson's not going to be there anymore. 
but they need to be supported better by their rotation. So um, I don't know if that's something that can be sorted out in one off-season, considering, again, most of their movement has been to lock up internally. There's not a whole lot on the market, and what's pushing through, we all know that that's been stunted the last two years, and they took a similar act to Canberra. They've put their flag program basically straight into New South Wales Cup to speed things up, and that's been delayed again, so that's going to hurt. Yeah, yeah, it is. I know we played in round one, a lot of the comments from the boys post-game were, like, they're kids. Yeah. You know, a lot of our older fellas, you know, that sort of thing, like, they're, they're, you know, a bunch of babies, so I don't mind that approach. Um, but, yeah, you just need to understand it's going to take a little bit of time for those guys to get used to playing against men. Um, yeah, agree with, you know, everything you said. I, I think they, what's undersold is how just smashed by injury they were for at least the first half of the season, probably three quarters of the season. And then once they got their best side on the park, they, you know, managed to put themselves into the position to play finals. But like you said, they they probably need to be up there pushing top four. And I, I didn't think they would be if they had, you know, their full complement available all year. But I think they finished 15th in points scored. Yeah, that was second so, last. That's a... Everything that you, you need to know about what they need to improve, and I think that probably speaks more to the fact that, that you know they want to play block block, they want to play sweeps, they don't want to really play off their nine and play off their their big middles. They've got enough big middles there to generate run speed. They've got a good nine. They need Pierce and Palmer and Clifford run the ball. And look, I thought Pierce and Clifford that partnership looks really solid. You know they didn't get to play a lot of footy together, but you know they're. Clifford, I think, has played really, really good footy since coming to Newcastle. I wouldn't be getting rid of Pierce for my life. Like, again, similar to that Reynolds analogy, like, there's only so many good, competent, consistent, elite, first-grade halfbacks. I, you know, I wouldn't be moving him on at all. I think that would be a step backwards. Yeah, well, I think the big... So there's a few, few things to be um, answered over the off-season for, for the Knights. I think the bigger concern for them is I know they had the off-season drama where he, you know, had his incident which led to his wedding being cancelled and it involved club people and players and that is a big issue. It is a big issue. But, yeah, yeah, of course is, yeah. Off, off the one-year extension, you don't want what... But, I mean, I would have thought if that was going to be an issue, it would have been played out by now. Yeah, my point being, as the years played on, though, you don't want to hear what we've heard, which is he was linked to the Sharks and then the Tigers were linked to him and now the Dogs have been linked to him and now Canberra this week have been linked to him. Like, these yeah. things don't just come from nowhere. Like, there was a little bit of... Yeah, a... I understand that, but... The club, it could be, you don't really know what element of that is the one leaking that information of why, so... Hmm. Well, a lot were saying that, obviously, he was on good money, he's taking a pay cut, that yeah, situation... Yeah, it's not a good sign, So, sure. yeah, I'd be a little bit iffy... Um, if I'm Newcastle to probably snuff that out I'm not saying they go to him and say you know you've, you've played well this year when you were, you did get back on the field we're maybe happy to put another year on or meet somewhere in the middle with the money and everything else. Like, I'm not saying that but clearly with what's played out the way the years panned out there's clearly some interest from the outside and he, you know, you'd think managers or whoever else are probably pushing the boat a bit that there's other interest there and people are more interested than having him for just 12 months like Newcastle are. So um, it would be a huge concern for me if they would let him go because, like I said, internally and externally, they're not losing a lot, but they're not bringing a lot in. So progress needs to be made from within their squad. Um, 
then you know Watson moves on. Clune comes in. Clune will be a backup, but he won't be anything more than that. Watson's a big loss, I think. He brings great value as a 13 and a utility. Someone's going to have to fill that lock role, like I said, and that bench depth needs to step up, and the development has been hurt. Um, but, yeah, probably the best player they had coming through was a nine, Mitch Black. He played cup this year, but they've got Braley now locked up to 2025, so it's not really a position of need. Um, and they pushed a young six through after SG Bullzane. Camera, I think he got to play one or two games of cup before the year ended, but... The, the real one, I guess, is those few that I highlighted. They need Mama to be healthy. They need Solo to take a step forward. They need guys to join the Safidis in Clamour and really tighten up that bench for them. And they've got a young guy they've got huge wraps on, Christian uh, Manana Arma. I think he's like 20 years old. They signed him for a couple of years. He's another one who's affected by this whole holdup. Um, but, yeah, I guess with this some ex- extending some players and looking internally, um, see what they do in the offseason. But... Yeah, I think for O'Brien, particularly in attack, he needs to loosen the shackles a little bit. Defensively, they've proven to be okay, but um, attack certainly needs work. The opposite, of, pretty much the opposite of what the Titans. They need to work on their attack. The Titans need to work on their defense. Yeah, yeah I agree. There you go. Two more down, six to go, and there'll be two more teams up for review after the elimination finals this weekend. But uh, like we said before, essentially we'll be back two times a week up until the grand final week. We'll be back later in the week after lineups and judiciary and everything's all sorted um, to preview those games from the weekend and give you some bets and tips and a preview thanks to bluebet.com.au. Uh, what do you think of Brock Wednesday night? Yeah, somewhere around there. Because when's it kick off? It's Friday, Saturday this week, isn't it? Friday, Saturday, yeah. Yeah, so if we do Wednesday at a reasonable time, you'll have Thursday, Friday to listen. Um, and then... We could do again Sunday after the Friday-Saturday game and keep that up until grand final week. And then grand final week, obviously, do the preview later in the week. Again, probably a Wednesday once all the lineups out and some of the headlines. And hopefully there's no injury or judiciary storylines that usually carry on. So um, that I have plenty of time to turn around there. That's right. Yeah. We're on the home run. Uh, We're on the run home now anyway, so... We certainly are, but there you go. Eight became... It's not a podcast for your Monday morning, guys, okay? Yeah, man. Don't say we don't fucking do anything for you, man. We started with eight and now it has become six. Four, probably should. So, there you go. Eight into six. After this week, it will be four. Who awaits the Melbourne Storm and the South Sydney Rabbitohs? Will the Panthers... And the Eels clash in the Battle of the West. The winner progressing to play the Melbourne Storm and the Roosters and Manly, who have had plenty of good clashes in the last decade or so, come head-to-head for the right to move on and play South Sydney. Looking forward to it, and we look forward to talking about it in a couple of days' time. Uh, we'll be back then, but for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.